Welcome to this episode of the FC Podcast, part two with George Cowie. In this episode, we talk more about George's experience as a player and his progression into coaching. So here it is, part two of my interview with George Cowie. So how did you end up, or how did you start your journey with West Ham? Yeah, sorry, I'll finally get around to your question after that long-winded uh, explanation. I'm, I'm sorry. Well, I've just kicked the ball since day one, uh, come from the north of Scotland, we're all football daft, and all I did was kick a ball out in the street. We, we, we played out in the street in those days, and it can't happen in Australia, you don't have walls here, but we'd walls, and we'd kick a ball against the wall, and even the winter time, I'd be out there at 10 o'clock at night under a street lamp, whacking the ball against the wall, used to make up games and, and my neighbours hated me apparently but they were too friendly with my mum and dad to ever say anything but they would be hearing this thump, thump, thump out there. So basically it was just a case of, you know, uh, developed a passion for the game, loved the game. Players like George Best, name, as I say, I was I was a, a young, young boy and they were the stars of the world at that time and very influential and, and, and it just always kicked the ball and... How they end up being a, a professional football player? Well, a, a couple of stories, and I get asked actually if you're from the big city, more a chance to play. We don't get opportunities in regional areas, and well, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. In the cities, it's hard as well. It's hard everywhere to get a big break in football, but in the regional areas, if you are good, you'll stand out even more. Um, uh, the, the two examples I think of the region is one is my own. Luck that I, the bit of luck that I had as a young player. But I, but I look, look in Australia and I think of Frank Freener. I mean, Frank comes from the North Queens. I think it's Mariba comes from up in, up in the Cairns way. And Frank's a superstar. I mean, Frank's one of Australia's best ever strikers and, and, and became the national coach. And Frank had a great career and came from a small place in the North of Queensland. So you, you, you can, I think if you're good enough and you get the right encouragement from your parents and your peer, you know, your, your, the coaches you work with and what just the environment you're in, you, there's, you can. It's not where you come from doesn't determine where you end up in life. It's um, it's a starting point, and you, you, if you if you really determined to do something, there's a, where there's a will, there's a way. But you need a bit of luck. Lady luck plays a, a big part of football. You need to be at the right place at the right time. You need to be the right people uh, to take a shine to you and help you on your way. But 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 it's got to come from within and yourself. But that's what I did. I. I Played local football. I played in a senior team at the age of fourteen. I'd play for my school in the morning at the age of fourteen. Play for a men's team in the afternoon. Two games a day. That would be frowned on upon today, especially out in Australia. Too much football. Too much. Well, it didn't do me any harm. And when I finally got a chance to go down to West Ham United, I had I was fifteen years old and I had been playing senior football for a year and, and two games a, a day at the weekend. And I think if that hadn't happened, I say this in a lot of podcasts I've done. I don't think I would have got the chance to become a professional footballer if I, if I hadn't played above senior football. I came from a small environment, a small village, and there wasn't academies, and that academy, but there wasn't development programmes, and there was school football, and it was senior football, and I played in both at the age of 14, and two games, I said, two games on Saturday, one in the morning and one in the afternoon. By the time I went down to London for a trial, I... Um, I was sort of battle hard and I, and I could cope with it. I, I could deal with the physical demands. I wasn't a big player. I wasn't a big strong, but I could I could 
I could deal with things. I could. I was used to the pace of the ball being a bit quicker, and and used to, to you know if, to avoid a a, a a tackle that was going to break my leg. You you, you learn these things. And so I learned the hard way, and, and when I went to West Ham, I did okay, and I got offered a contract straight away, and, and signed for them at the age of sixteen uh, when I left school. So I was very lucky to get a chance to go to West Ham United from a small village in the north of Scotland to a club like West Ham United who are one of the best academies in the world they have had since 1966 when three players for West Ham played in the World Cup final and Ron Greenwood was the manager of West Ham at the time but you had uh, Bobby Moore, Martin Peters and Jeff Hurst they played in the, everyone knows that, that that's, where, that's where a lot of West Ham's fame uh, came from and, and it stuck with them all the way through so everyone in the world knows about, knows, knows about that story and, and so I'm very privileged to, to be at a club like that from a young age and I think I, I got a really good grounding in the game working with some excellent coaches and, and the players that were, uh, I was around and I, I didn't really make it uh, what I would what I had classes making in football I don't think I, I had 12 years as a full time player which is is a decent achievement. I was captain of Scotland under 18 professional youth team at the age of 17. So I, I did some nice things um, and, I, and I have played some good level football. I've played against Manchester United at Upton Park. I've played against, played against Tottenham Hotspur, first team level, played against Arsenal at Highbury, against some great players. I've played at Anfield uh, against Liverpool, against Kenny Dalglish. And so I, I did experience football at the very, very highest level and I would like to have played a lot more top level games. It's, you know, that was my that's what I set out to do, and that was my dream. And it didn't didn't uh, quite eventuate the way that I would have. I would like it to have been better. But looking back, it was probably better than I realised. But I mean, I'm I'm 61 years old now, and sort of been around the world a fair bit in coaching and and what have you. And I realised how lucky I was. Nowadays, I realise how lucky I was to be training every day. I was in the first team squad for the, the age of 17. I was in the first team. In the first team in those days, there were only maybe 20 players. You know, 11 played, one sub, not like the big squads of the rotation that they do today. So I, I was in a, a squad of, well, most of them were international class players. Trevor Brookin, Billy Bonds, Alvin Martin, Alan Devonshire, Phil Park. So oh, Frank Lampard, that's Frank Lampard's dad. It was a, was a manager at Chelsea, uh, Everton manager now. So I played with Frank's dad uh, for a long time and so the players I played with were absolutely top class and it was a real privilege to, didn't probably realise how much I was learning on a day-to-day -day basis by just being there. I mean, how do you learn? You learn by going to coaches, you've got to go, coaching courses is an important thing, but I think practical learning in a day-to-day -day environment and professional football and being in that changing room at uh, big games, what the coach says at half time before the game, what he says at half time, I don't think you can ever get that in a coaching course. You can only get it from practical experience. So I suppose that's been... My journey as a player, however, and briefly, it's been a lot of, a lot of things, but um, I left West Ham after six years. Um, I was I was offered a seventh year, and, and I, I often regret, you can't regret, I and mean, regret's the wrong word, because you do what you do and you can't look back. But I was offered an extra year at West Ham, and I, I didn't stay, because I'd played in those big games, I'd had a taste of it, and uh, I was also a substitute in the charity shield against Liverpool, and the 100,000 people at Wembley and I walked out in Wembley and seen it. So once you, once you got a wee taste of that, you, maybe maybe you thought he was a better player than he was and you deserved it more, but I, I don't know what I thought at that time. I just wanted first-team football and uh, I didn't see, there was a lot of, I didn't see it happening at, at West Ham, but on hindsight, hindsight's a great thing. There was a lot of players retired uh, star big name players about four of them retired in the, in the following 12 months and I should have been a bit more brighter or wish I had a, a dad or a big brother at, at, 
slowed me down a wee bit, but I sort of ran my own race. I had a great dad that, that um, supported me, and but he was a fisherman from the north of Scotland. He wasn't uh, from a football background, and he never interfered. He just supported me and gave me, you know, friendship and support, and come and enjoy come and watching the games and what have you. But he wouldn't interfere. He wasn't really in a place to to give advice and what have you. But I really probably should have stayed at West Ham another year. I was only. Uh, 20, I was 22 years old when I left I'd been there 6 years and I should have been more patient but as I say we'd all, we'd all be wiser in life with hindsight and, and what we, but having said that I went back to, edit, to Scotland and I played for Hart and Lothian for 4 years and um, I, I played mainly in the first team I played about just, just almost 100 games in the first team I played in a UEFA Cup game against PSG and uh, we we're quite successful at Hearts. We we lost out to your team. I know Stuart, you're a Celtic supporter, and uh, it's a sad memory in my mind. But <laughs> in 1986, we went about 33 games unbeaten, and we were leading the Scottish Premier League. And uh, we won game to go. We were absolutely we were past the post. The bookmakers was no betting. They wouldn't take any bets on it. They were, we were we'd won the Premier League, but we hadn't. Uh, on that last day, Hearts lost two 0 at Dundee. It was nil nil with seven minutes to go. A guy called Albert Kidd, who lives in Adelaide nowadays, came on for Dundee and scored two goals. We lost two nil. And Celtic, who who were on the same, uh, were two points behind us. Were two points from winning those days, not three like today. Um, there were two points behind us. I think there were about six goals, five or six, five goals. I think worse off. We lost two nil at Dundee. Nil nil with seven minutes to go, and Albert came on and scored the two goals, and. Um, Celtic won four 0 at St Mirren that day, and they, they won the Premier League on goal difference by two goals. So it was quite. Uh, in the following week, we were in the Scottish Cup final. I never played in the game; I was a substitute in the game. Um, we played Aberdeen, coached by Alec Ferguson at the time, and, and they beat us three 0 in the Scottish Cup final. So it's funny how such a close thing. That if if we'd got that point at Dundee, we won the Premier League, and we went into the, the cup final. We uh, a more fresher, less pressurised mind. And maybe might have even, I think they might have won the double. And if if we had, we would have been known as the most famous Hearts team in history. And and now we're not. We're forgotten about it. We're nobody's. But uh, no, that was a good team. I played with some good players at Hearts. We had, we had some really good young players who went on to some really uh, great things. John Robertson, Craig Levine, and with some great experienced players like Willie Johnston, the great Rangers winger. Um, so that that was a. Although I, I missed West Ham and I loved West Ham, it, Hearts was really enjoyable and it. It was another stage of my life. I had four years at Hearts and had a a, a very uh, enjoyable uh, time and, and learned even more about life, I suppose. It was, so it was a, it was good. The, the Hearts fans are very passionate, brilliant to play in front of, and and it was uh, I actually really I love my six years at West Ham, but I also had four very happy years at Heart of Midlothian. How do you reconcile that? And uh, in, in the change room after you lose two 0 to Dundee, how does that sting? Yeah, the thing that remembers me, but that I remember most about that day was uh, outside the ground after the game. There was grown men with heart supporters, heart uh, scarves on, and there were I seen grown men crying. And it's hard to believe when you see things that's happening in life, like Ukraine. It's happening things that's happening in Ukraine just now, and some of the atrocities in the world, and some of the things in life when you, you know, it's going on. And, and you see a game of football where you get grown men crying. After a, a game of, it's just a game of football at the end of the day, but that's what it means to these people. They were, it was devastating. They were, it was, it was, I can't, you can't explain how the sadness and hurt and that, but 
players pick themselves up and move on. We we played in the cup final. We got beat in there, and we we had an end of season banquet in Edinburgh. We were, you know, it was still a really successful season. We've lost the championship and goal difference. We've reached the Scottish Cup final. We not exactly. It wasn't exactly, a, but it felt like failure. You know, it really did feel like failure. But uh, the club were, and the management were very good at the time. Uh, we had uh, Alec McDonald and Sandy Jardin, who were great Rangers players, and uh, one of the stadiums at Ibrox at Rangers named after Sandy. He passed away through cancer about six, seven years ago, unfortunately. But uh, we, we had good people looking after us and they had, uh, whether we won or lost, they what we didn't know, we were told to report on Monday after the disappointment on Saturday. They were told to report on Monday and none of us was pleased after a long, hard season. Why are we, why are we coming in on Monday? Why are they bringing us in on Monday? For what do you think of a, of a couple of days off? Because you've, You've went had a long, hard season. You had a big night out at the bank, uh, a big, massive banquet. It was supposed to be to celebrate the successful season, but it was a, as I say, we, it was a strange feeling because we, we had, we didn't feel like we're celebrating because we, we didn't achieve we, a, a great season, but we didn't get the trophies. Uh, but we couldn't have been any closer to, to being, a, as I say, probably Hearts' greatest team in our history. Anyway, on the Monday morning, we we came in and we turned and what we were sat down told to get home and get our passports out and we were going away to Barbados for six days and, and four days in Trinidad we did, we did play two game, two, we played two games in Barbados end of season trip and we played a game in, in Trinidad and, and it was just a, a fantastic uh, the, the, the friendship and the, the closeness of those players was unbelievable so that, that's how we responded to, to our, our unlucky time in 1986 we, a couple of days later we were on a plane to Barbados and a group of young lads football players who enjoyed each other's company, enjoyed a beer at the end of the season and had a, had a great time in Barbados and Trinidad. That was our answer to that. Thank you for joining me for my chat with George Cowie. Stay tuned for part three coming soon. My name is Stuart Taylor. Stay safe.